Welcome back, rugby fans, to another great episode here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show, where we put ourselves and our guests to the test in this rugby debate format where the bat- guests will battle it out against one another as they do each and every week for top honors here on the Rugby Rant. Today, we have joining us is Cam and Walker Tice from the Rugby Index. And then we have, of course, look at that. I love that. There we go. In unison, nearly. The rehearsals went badly. We didn't get it timed right. It's not a great start, boys. <laughs> more so to the point, more so to the point, I wanted to be able to remind everybody that they're going to be battling Scott Ferrara, the big guy, in the absence of Rob Hammerschmidt, who's down with his family in Florida enjoying some sunshine and some cocktails. But uh, more importantly, how does it all work? Well, I wanted to be able to remind our viewers at home once again in this rant format that each of our participants have two minutes to be able to rant the topic at hand. Now, on this occasion, we in fact will do it in three parts to discuss the previous weekend's semifinal playoff matchups between Utah, LA, and then, of course, Atlanta and then Rooney. That matchup weekend being most important to find who has made it through to the finals. So each of the gentlemen on screen will be talking about these matchups individually in each of their rants. First up, we'll be talking about the first matchup, which was then Rooney versus ATL at home for ATL, the Rattlers at the Snake Pit in Light University, where the final scoreline, quite slim, a great defensive battle, not particularly exciting to watch, some fans might say, uh, unless it was a drinking game counting the handling errors. <laughs> But you know, Ty, before we move forward, we got to talk about some of that ATL drip you're wearing because, uh, you know, we get we get all this stuff right. from com, powered by the rugby shop. And right now they have a 50% off sale going on at com that you don't want to miss. You know, if you if, if you were waiting to get stuff, if your wife or your, your husband or your significant other was jumping on you about buying all this MLR gear like, they, like my wife does for me, um, this is the time to get it, you know, because then you could say, well, honey, I only spent 50 bucks and I got four items instead of spending 50 bucks and getting two. Come on. <laughs> it's all about quantity, but you can go to shopmlr.com powered by the rugby shop for all your MLR gear. They just got the new uh, LA um, kits in and uh they're really hot i really love the la colors and um check them out again 50 yeah. percent off well that la one i've got lucky over here yeah. and, and scott to, to to frame it better just for the a little bit of advice for the missus it's not i spent 50 i saved 50 <laughs> so reintroducing uh the team we got uh walker in the bottom uh, right hand corner he's going to be the one to be able to start our rant off talking about that first recap game matchup between Rooney and ATL at home for Rugby Atlanta. And the final scoreline there was, of course, 10-9 to in favor of Atlanta and pushing them through to the championship game. Walker, take us out. You are the man to start us off. Thank you, Ty. Uh, Where to start unpacking? Um, I mean, the short and skinny of it is that it was a pretty ugly game. Um, There wasn't a whole lot of dynamic play both back lines seemed very flat throughout the entire play Uh, we joked about it before we came on air but it it, the amount of knock-ons and handling errors were egregious the volume of them was very very surprising for any MLR team let alone the two teams that have made it into the semifinal. Um, you know that being said I, I do think that there were there were high points I think uh ATL while they managed to kick away possession several times 
inside Rooney's first, uh, inside their 40, the first half, they managed to, to make some adjustments and really leverage their uh, mall on the lineouts a couple of times, had some really good mauling, uh, rolling malls and, and really put them in position for their one and only try. Um, <clears throat> Rooney, on the other hand, missing a couple of pieces, not to make excuses, but I think a uh, Hollingshead especially makes a difference in that game. You can bring Harry Bennett off the bench, and and I think it makes a difference. That being said, only three penalty kicks. You've got to be more dynamic. And they they had a few opportunities. They started out extremely slow. I think the first fifteen minutes were spent with ATL ball in hand and and played in Rooney's half. So you're not going to be. I mean, you're not scoring sixty seventy meter tries at this juncture in, in the season. Um, it, it's just tough. And and beyond the handling errors. Both teams did have pretty decent defense, so you combine the two, and it's a pretty – I don't like want to use the word apathetic, but it's, it's a pretty monotonous kind of back and forth in the, in the middle part of the field and not a whole lot of scoring going on. Yeah, you know, talking about the defense, so here you've got teams – uh, that have traditionally done well on defense. In fact, I think that uh, by the record, by the end of the regular season, uh, ATL was third best on defense, and I think Giltinis were ahead of them in second place, Austin Gilgronis being first, just on points conceded. Uh, in fact, I wrote down the, those those points, but they were pretty close. But more to your point, though, yes, it's kind of uncharacteristic to be able to see a game so close in comparison to what we have seen from the MLR season, which is arguably so been one of those leagues that people have criticized it for being more about the offense than the defense. Um, but it certainly has made for more exciting matchups in the past. And looking at it in comparison to this one, it wasn't nearly as exciting because it was a much tighter affair. And it wasn't quite clinical uh, in certainly in comparison to what we have seen in the past. So I certainly agree with you there. Let's hand it over to Cam to see what he thinks. Yeah, um, sort of a lot of the same. I was very hopeful that Andy Ellis, after having a few matches back, would be um, more of a contributor. While he played a pretty steady game, I don't know that he set himself out as a difference maker. Um, I will give credit to Harry Bennett. Uh, with Dan Hollins had been out the last close to the last second half of the season, uh, he's really stepped up. And I thought he was the one uh, focal point that, that they could put a hang their hat on for New York um, with his penalty kicks and did have some nice plays distributing the ball. Defensively, New York, you know, held up to their kind of their MO of the season with some staunch defense. Um, I thought they really did a good job slowing down the quick pace of Atlanta, although I was hopeful they would have more of a presence in the breakdown. I, I don't think they really had too many fights for the uh, ball in a turnover battle, but they, they really turned the match into what they wanted to play, which is, you know, grind it out, low scoring and, you know, maybe the last possession wins. Unfortunately, it wasn't their last possession. Uh, right. Offensively for Atlanta, I thought they, I was very surprised. I thought with the counterattacks and the explosiveness that they brought, I thought they would really take it to Rooney. Um, I didn't think this one was going to be all that close. And, you know, I guess credit more to Rooney, but I was very surprised by uh, Batista Escura starting at 10. I thought they would start Carl Say. 
Um, I don't know right. if he caught an injury. I, I might have missed that, but very surprised they, they didn't even have him the 23. Um, and yeah. on top of that, in the second half, I I was kind of disappointed with the way they played from their lineouts. I think if they're not the top scoring team from the lineout, they're number two. I, I thought they would be, you know, rolling, rolling right in against New York. And on multiple occasions, they they were stopped and, you know, were, were blocked from their bread and, bread and butter. One of the things you spoke about there is the penalties. Um, okay, so yes, Harry Bennett stepped in in the absence of Holland's head, who has been tremendous, but also a little inconsistent with some of the penalty kicks or conversions there. This seemed to be a bit of a strength in their format now. Yes, it's not exactly exciting rugby, but it still put them ahead. So it doesn't have to be pretty. It just needs to be able to get you ahead. But like you said, they had kind of the the the, the advantage, in, certainly in scoreline, until the latter part of, of, of the matchup. Um, but they weren't physical enough at the breakdown areas. They weren't competing at the right uh, opportunity. I felt as if when they did get the ball in hand, they were almost losing ground and they were scrambling for the passes and it was a loose game as a result. Now, you could argue the same for Atlanta, um, but it just seems like, it, for me, it was a far looser and, and, and less cohesive uh, attack than I had ever seen from Rooney, who typically has done well in closer matchups. They were the first to be able to take down LA. Uh, I think it was a two-point win, right, uh, Scott? So, you know, with that in mind, let's actually hand it over to Scott to see what uh, Mr. Rooster Booster Rooney <laughs> Empire person has to say here. Yeah, so, yeah, the, the match against LA was a two-point win. Um, let's get hot, baby. And I got to be honest, I feel like I got to cut a promo with these two guys. It's like a two-on-one in the old-school WWF. Um, but, you know, I think <laughs> it's, it's, you know, Cam really, it's, it's funny because Cam kind of hit it on the head as far as ATL and their lineouts um, and their rolling mall. And to be honest, in the second half, uh, the first, the, excuse me, the first half right at the end, you know, they had the opportunity to co- to roll it in. And Samu Tawake being a one-man wrecking crew swam through the entire mall, grabbed the ball carrier and threw him out of bounds with one hand. Um, and that that's saying something where, you know, in that mall, I think they had a one or two man advantage um, at the time. And you had one player swim right through it and throw the guy out of bounds with one hand. And to me, it, to me, it just I didn't feel like ATL played to win the match, in my, in my opinion. Rooney was playing to win, but every time they were on offense and moved the ball, either penalty or they knocked it on like it. it their offense didn't seem dynamic because they were shooting themselves in the foot by losing the possession on it. Um, ATL, on the other hand, was running, you know, their, their backline plays and Rooney just kind of sussed it out. You know, they didn't let any of those switches or, you know, or those, those skip passes and those, those dummies. They just kind of let them work, work out and everybody had their lane and they had their player and that was it. And I felt like ATL was telegraphing their plays from the last three matches because it seemed like Rooney was right there to stop them the entire time. Um, Rooney, on the other hand, again, getting killed in the scrum. James Rochford being injured from being hit illegally like three or four matches ago. It still wasn't good enough to come in and start, which I think is a killer for Rooney because he's their best scrummager. He was coming in off the bench and just giving 20 minutes. I think Nick Savetta, Nate Brakely, and Hanko, they seemed tired this match versus last match against the gold where there was you know a big hubbub about making the playoffs. They played great. This match, like, like uh, T- uh, Walker men- mentioned, in the breakdown, they didn't really do anything. Um, 
Again, on the ATL side, their defense was good, but I think Rooney was just shooting themselves in the foot more than anything uh, as they were going along. Because as soon as it seemed as though as soon as Rooney got into that that Atlanta half of the field, knock on or you know some ridiculous penalty that's called, and you know it's penalties are penalties. You have to play above it. And then what we didn't talk about was that try that was taken away from Rooney. So I know I might be going over my two minutes explaining this, but I got some knowledge going after so maybe Ty will give me some leeway um, speaking to an official after the match on the inside of the play you'll see um, Will Leonard pointing um, to the official Anselmi saying the ball's down there so what Anselmi where the ball was wasn't up past the, the try line there was a yellow, little yellow line before it so the, the back end of the ball was downed on the yellow line so that's why Anselmi went to the AR and according to the AR the front half of the ball when it crossed was being held up. So that's why they didn't call it a try on television. You couldn't see that. And you didn't really hear the interaction between Anselmi and the AR. So you didn't get anything from them or the commentators about what actually that call was. But according to officials, that's what that call was. Right. And that's some, uh, that's some interesting more uh, insight into an important moment, right? Uh, some of the other important moments to be able to take note of. Obviously, we haven't addressed that that last 10-minute cycle at, at the end there was in favor of ATL. I think they put down the, uh, uh, the, the try at about the 73rd or 74th minute. You know, at that time, it, 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 you know, they were, what, probably 10 phases, about a, less than a meter out. So you have to be able to give credit to them because at that point, when you're so close... There's such an incredible temptation to be able to get that extra inch, to be able to make that movement that could put you at risk of a double movement. But, you know, you, you're all just throwing bodies on the line. So both ways, it, it, you know, it's it's good defense in a sense, although there was an advantage on the play. Uh, but uh, ATL just kind of just kept pounding away at that wall, moving closer, edging closer and closer towards the uh, the posts to give them a better angle. Um, and yes, it came through. But until that moment, they were scrounging. They they, they were let in uh, with 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 about three to five minutes of pretty good play at the end. But you know, credit to them, they stuck it out. But until then, I think it was three ten. So it it looked like it was at that point Rooney's game to lose. Um, well, well, and also Atlanta was up by a man at that point because Quinn Nwadi like face tapped right. for a yellow card and any type of you know head contact is a yellow card. But you know you can apparently dump tackle Andy Ellis onto his head and it's only a penalty. And the reason I bring that up is because in the previous match against ATL at home, that same player hit Andy Ellis the same way, and Andy Ellis it wasn't wasn't penalized or carded in the first match, and Andy Ellis missed five matches because of that. So I'm I'm starting to wonder, you know, when's the disciplinary committee going to meet for for this this particular ATL player headhunting guys like Andy Ellis? Well, I mean, that's an interesting question. Our only time we'll be able to tell and see what happens there. Perhaps it will just move on because the focus is turning towards the championship final, of course. But what we'd like to be able to do before we head out of this uh, segment here, go once around the table. I'd like you to be able to give me a final score out of 10 for the performance of both sides. Your choice who you want to be able to give a score to first, 10 being the highest, one being the lowest. Walker, what is your thoughts? I mean, I, I don't want to be too malicious here because it was a pretty ugly game. Um, I would give rugby ATL, we'll call it a 6.8, and we'll give uh, Rooney maybe a, a, a 
6.1. Well, I think that's reasonable considering. I mean, it wasn't a flattering scoreline for either side. Uh, it wasn't particularly great rugby. And when you're, you're looking back over the season that they've already had and you're comparing it against themselves, and it's not the rugby we come to expect from either side, let's hand it over to Cam and see your thoughts. Maybe I'm just a little more generous. Um, maybe I'm just a softy between us. But I, I thought, you know, I, I would give ATL probably a 7.2, 7.3. You know, they, okay. they played a, a quality match. There were a lot of mistakes. But at the end of the day, you, you got the win. And right. you know, that's that's all that matters once it hits 80. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think Rooney played – offensively, it, it was rough. Uh, that was pretty pretty difficult to watch at times. Disjointed but, for sure. But defensively, they played their game. You know, they they slowed it down. They they definitely frustrated Atlanta at times. And so I, I'd give them a seven point Well, the first thing I want to say uh, my as my final thought is for all the fans out there complaining that oh, there's too much scoring, there's no defense. This looks like rugby league. And then you complain and bitch that we had a defensive stand <laughs> in semifinal. That was a one point victory. That was that was that. I it's felt exciting, yeah. Yeah, you know, Walker and Cameron, like, eh, it was all right. I was off my – as a fan of Rooney, it, I was off my seat. I had the same – I felt I had the same emotions that I had in the 2019 semifinal when San Diego won at the death because it, it, it was that tight. And that's what you want out of a semifinal. Yes, I understand there wasn't scoring, but guess what? There's been scoring all season. But beyond that, I think I would give ATL a 7 because they won the match. Um, I'd give Rooney a 6 because they lost the match. Um, and those two combinations are what what got you that 10-9 scoreline and Atlanta moving on. Listen, when if you play mistake-free like Rooney should have, I believe they would have won the match. But they right. didn't, and that's how you lose it. Well, you know, that's kind of my sentiment, though, is that certainly by that last 10 minutes, it feels like it was Rooney's game to lose. And unfortunately, things kind of got a little disjointed. You know, a couple of key moments didn't go in their favor with the yellow card, but the momentum definitely had shifted somewhere in that latter uh, uh, part of the game. And as a result, credit to uh, Atlanta, who pulled off the win. Doesn't matter how you do it, as long as you do it right. And that leaves us with our final thoughts here on that first semifinal playoff matchup with the uh home for atlanta at light university where they took the win 10 to 9 against rooney we'll be back in just a moment tighthead brewing company is chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers for all seasons located in mundelein illinois the heart of lake county owner bruce durr and the tighthead staff will ensure that you're kept well hydrated so you don't miss a single scrum in tighthead's tap room they have the it's it's like a familiar rugby clubhouse um, in which family and friends can meet, socialize, and enjoy the game we all love. Um, you can join them at down at the Tighthead Brewery this Sunday for the MLR Championship, baby. Uh, 3 p.m. Central Time. Check out Brewster and the Tighthead staff. Um, it's going to be a great match. I, I mean, I, we're going to talk about it soon, but I'm just in my head. I'm, I'm really excited for this final. Hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tighthead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tighthead, it's worth more than a try. I think I do it better than Rob himself. (laughs) (laughs) And welcome back, rugby fans. Again, this is the Rugby Debate Show. We'll put ourselves and our guests to the test to battle it out against each other for top honors each and every week. And our competitors here today, as you know, from the first round, we give a quick reintroduction. We got Walker and Cam Tice battling it out against our regular Scott Ferrara, the big guy in the absence of Rob Hammerschmidt. My name is... Is Ty Braga, your host for today. And we're going to dive into the next segment here, boys, to be able to talk about the other semi-final 
matchup in the playoffs. That, of course, was being hosted at the Coliseum in LA, their home, of course, for this matchup and will also be for the final coming up when the next segment. So make sure you stick around to hear that one. But more importantly, Utah versus LA at home for LA with a final scoreline of 17 to 13. Another close matchup especially when you consider how close it was even the week before these uh, these two battled it out on the home turf for the Warriors back in Utah. But we're going to hand it around the table one more time. This case, we're going to start with Scott Ferrara to hear his thoughts on this matchup between Utah and L.A. at home for L.A. with a final score of 17-13. to 13. Your thoughts, Scott? So we're still cooking, and, you know, let's let's – Talk about another try that wasn't, uh, which was the first uh, L.A. try um, as as the offload to Johnny Ryberg was deemed uh, offsides going to TMO. We do have TMO in the playoffs, people. Um, if you're surprised by that, I mean, we had it in 2019. We were going to have it in 2020 in the playoffs, and we're, we're having it obviously now in 2021. But I've, as the TMO looked at it, they called it back, so I found that one interesting. Um, you know, and, and actually TMO was using the Rooney ATL match for something else, but just to, to point that out there. But, yeah, you know, I think this is the match you wanted from Utah and L.A. Um, this is the match, the, the same style of match you're looking for. I think – LA finally ground out that win. You know, most teams have, have ground LA down to a stop and LA didn't know how to respond. And this was the statement game LA needed to say, we can actually grind it back out with you. You know, Rooney was the two point win. They slowed him down. ATL was the next one. They slowed him down. Nola was the next one. They saw all those. They play, and Utah plays, I guess what we can call now an MLR East coast style of play where they can grind you down with all their big men. Um, and and they did just that, and um, you know, it, it, and this time it was LA coming away with the last minute try to win, and and not Utah, which I found interesting and a little bit ironic, um, because Utah has been kind of the heart attack kids uh, the entire uh, MLR season. But honestly, it just again, it was another back and forth on the edge of your seat. What's going to happen? Who's going to break through? Is there going to be a breakthrough? And I got to be honest, you know, a lot of people again talking crap about oh, Mikey Tao missed that last tackle, you know, to lose the match. God forbid the guy misses a tackle once in a while. Like, I don't understand. Like, how many tackles did he make in a match? Okay, so he missed that one. Like, you know, there's people complaining about it, and I just, you know, you go you go play. You go play in the MLR semifinal. Let's see how well you do, you know? but Although, you know, again, you can't pick apart one player because of one moment. Uh, there's another 14 guys that are by his shoulder. So everything that led <laughs> up to that, it's not just one, one pivotal moment that changed this game. You know, there was some, some amazing play. You know, when you look at the opposite side, I mean, uh, Ryan James, amazing talent, right? So he's steadily grown. I mean, I'm very happy to be able to see this guy from when I first discovered him back at the uh, the Raptors. He hardly got any game time in the 2020 season. I mean, there was only five games, but you knew he had the speed. He just needed to bulk up a little bit. He did that. He's got this wonderful sort of seven style play with him, the way he holds the ball and manages to move inside. That last little tuck inside, that last try, which was like what? The 77, sorry, 76th minute is what I have recorded over here. That was the final try to be able to put the nail in the coffin for the win for LA. And it was a step inside that was almost uh, Cheslin Colby esque, you know, uh, tucked on the inside, caught him off on, on the foot, momentum carried him through and he had the line right open so it was still an exciting matchup as you said very much so let's get some further thoughts from cam 
Yeah, I, I was a little interested by the Utah attacking strategy going into the match. I thought, you know, they do much of the same from the week before. They put up plenty of points. You know, it was a different LA team, but definitely a lot of points on a very good defensive team. Um, I was surprised to see, and this might have just been LA tightening things up, and it really seemed like they wanted to play within the forwards. But, you know, their MO all season long has been push it to the fringes, let Josh Whippy, Mika Cruze, and Mike Teo, you know, just be be the guys that they are, just be these dynamic forces. And it, it seemed like they just wanted to keep it, you know, don't get it too close to the sideline. Don't, you know, just don't do anything, as you put it, don't do anything too flamboyant. And it almost seemed offensively they were playing not to lose the match. And I, I really think that they they suffered by not sort of manufacturing some more touches for Mike Teo and especially Mika Cruz. I, I think he's electric once he gets the ball, you know, on, on the fringe. Uh, but, you know, they, they tighten up even a few mistakes from last week defensively. And I, I thought they played, you know, maybe next to New York in their regular season matchup. I think this is the best defensive matchup against L.A. I've seen all year. Um, on the other side, L.A., I, I'm interested to see how they recover with their line out. Um, missing Adam Ash due to injury and Cottrell due to uh, suspension. I believe this is his last game on suspension. But, you know, you really saw it in their set piece and their line out that, you know, their their timing was very much off. And I think Vailanu coming back and only having a few matches back also played a part in that. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see where they can recover there. In general, I thought... I, I thought Utah played the better match, and I thought they were more deserving. But, you know, L.A., you can look at the body, you know, the whole body of work and say, look what they've done all season. They're deservedly, you know, in the championship for a reason. Everybody, in when looking at L.A. in the first half of the season, was throwing out comments like, oh, are they unstoppable? Are they the unbeatable? And then you look at the second half where teams finally managed to be able to figure out if you just slow the ball down, you you become a nuisance at the breakdown area. You're going to restrict that quick ball. Um, although I will add, Goddard is particularly dangerous around the scrums. Um, but I felt as if it didn't have the same power that it had of the first half of the season. That they like, It's not that they lost it. It's just that teams find it a little bit more predictable. They've had time to be able to coach, uh, ways to be able to defend it. So let's hand it over to Walker to hear your thoughts, my friend. Yeah, I mean, I, I reciprocate a lot of the same. Um, I thought Utah offensively played not to lose, like Cam mentioned. Um, separately on L.A.'s side, I thought Harrison Goddard had a heck of a game. Um, he, he contributed directly to at least two of the, I think both of the tries or they, they had three, right? Um, so he connect, he, he connected with two of the three, I believe with Ryan James. Um, he's my man of the match. I thought he, he managed the game quite well. Um, I think we found the formula, not necessarily to beat LA, but, but to be competitive with them. If you can weather the storm, the first 15, 20 minutes and, and then, uh, go on to, you know, play a methodical approach. In, in Utah, I think they they played out of their style, obviously, but they, they wanted to be that high-flying. While you be that high-flying offense, you leave yourself pretty susceptible defensively. So I think they, they tried to reel themselves back in. Um, and I think 
un, un, uh, subconsciously they they created a, an environment where they were playing not to lose. Granted, um, I, I sort of expected a lower scoring game this match because they had just played each other. There's a level of familiarity. You were missing a couple of dynamic players, especially in the forwards for um, L.A. I think J.P. Smith had an injury early on. Um, it, it just wasn't the L.A. pack that we know. Uh, obviously, no Cottrell, but but for all intents and purposes, um, it was it was a great match. I I thought that there was more dynamic play from both teams in this game versus the the Eastern Conference game. Um, and and while Cam thinks Utah was the the more deserved team, I I think LA did what they needed to do to win, and and it was close. Right. And finding ways to win is what defines the playoffs, right? That knockout rugby format is so exciting uh, because you can throw all the previous history out the window, all the record from the, from the, from the season, and it becomes on the merit of that game on that day. And we could see that this was polar opposites from the gameplay from the week before where we had the same two teams matched up against each other. Now, we always knew that didn't really mean much, but was it going to give you an insight as to what this week's game was going to be? I didn't think so. We debated this last week, but you know what I, I believe some of the takeaways that LA will have and should take away for, from this win is even though they did enough, will it be enough for the next one, right? Because their attack uh, was ineffective in comparison to what they had done in the past. The first try was scored, the first point scored really, uh, was in the 34th minute by Adam Ashley Cooper. Uh, that put them seven up. Then the next 20 minutes was actually dominated by Utah. You have a penalty conversion on the 40th, the same on the 48th minute. This put them only one point behind. Then you see on the 58th minute, uh, it happens to be a try in favor of Utah that they actually end up taking the lead. So does LA have something to be worried about? To, to What can they learn from this? Before we dive into that, because we'll be talking about that more in our MLR Championship preview that we'll be talking about in just a moment in the next debate, what we're going to do now, now one more time around the table to get your score, what you give these teams on their performance out of 10. And we started where we started this round with Scott Ferrara. Um, I think I give LA a eight out of 10. Um, and I'll, I'll give Utah a six because their play hasn't normally been kicked for points, you know, recently their play has been, let's open it up and, 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 you know, run it down your throat. I, I would give LA an 8.2. I thought they played a, a quality game, um, but I, I would give Utah an eight. Um, honestly, I thought, I think we talked off camera and everybody's giving Mike tail a hard time about him missing that tackle. Really where I thought they lost the game is taking Hagen Schulte off the, the field, I think around the 60 or 65th minute. He and Teo were killing them with their territory kicks. I'm, I'm a little more critical. I, I think I've come to, to establish that with you guys. Um, I'll give LA a 7.9. I, I think that, um, again, I, I not to be a broken record, but they found a way to win at the end. Um to, to both of your guys' points, and Ty, you stole my thunder a little bit, but I was really underwhelmed by their their play off of the lineouts. That is, I think they were by and large the the number one team scoring off of set pieces, specifically lineouts. Um, I think both teams did a very very good job of neutralizing each other's star power. 
Um, you really didn't see a ton from Adam Ashley Cooper, a ton from DTH Vandermeer. Um, uh, Gito was was good, not great. Um, and then separately, Teo, aside from his tackle, I you know you look at his body of work; he's been great all season. Um, I think we talked about it. There was more kicking. Their kicking was dynamic and put LA on the back foot in that second half. But I wish they would have taken just a little bit more ball in hand. Um, and, and, and their counterattacking is what, granted, they're the cardiac cats and they give us just panic attacks every single week. They, they have that ability to be one step, two step, gone, breaking a line. And, and if they're not breaking that, they're getting, you know, if they're not breaking it on the, the first line break, the defense is on their back foot, they're resetting, they have overloads, and they're going the opposite way because Mike Cruz is over there or Whippy's over there. Um, and and I, I, I thought they both really deviated from their identity. And I got to believe playoffs is not the time to do that. Um, so I, I will give Utah a 7.3 which I think is a little bit more generous than Scott, a little bit less generous than Cam. But um, I, I, I wasn't impressed by either team deviating from their play because they have been so dynamic on offense. And that's what I was really hoping for. And, you know, the brand of rugby we've come to love from both L.A. and Utah was not the game that we saw. And I think we could all agree on that point. And for those fans at home, they may very well agree with us. And if you do... Well, if you don't, if you disagree, let us know as well. You can drop a comment down below when you're viewing this episode on our social media at the handle. Uh, I'm sorry, I should rephrase that under the handle at the Rugby Rant Pod. Uh, and you can see us live each and every week with a run parcel kick interview with the new rugby insider. Uh, this past week, we interviewed Heineken Mayer, who is a former Springbok rugby coach, Stud Francais. Oh, the list goes on, the, the Bulls. Really great insight into how he may impact that franchise in Houston, put them back into a winning format in the coming season. So make sure that you check out all of those run parcel kick interviews every Monday night at 8 p.m. under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. You can continue to be able to enjoy this content every week, every Friday on the Rugby Network and where we will have a new episode like this one. But before we take the opportunity to be able to head out into our next segment where we're going to be able to dissect what we think about that matchup upcoming that is the MLR championship final between LA and of course, oh, why am I drawing blank now? Rugby Atlanta. Of course I'm wearing it. <laughs> so let's uh, take a quick break as we share a few thoughts from one of our new and most recent sponsors who are helping us to be able to help grow rugby one fan at a time here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. Hey, rugby fans, uh, here at the Rugby Rant, it's important to be able to acknowledge those that help us do what we do each and every week to be able to help grow rugby one fan at a time. And we wanted to be able to share our newest part, which is Can I Brands. Uh, they are one of the great CBD plant-based products that will help you mend, recover, refresh, vitalize. The one that I have been using most often is the Can I Boost. I don't know if you can really see that there, uh, but this has got a little bit of a cap boost to it so it really does exactly as it says um those days where you're dragging i mean we're, we're recording until late in the evening so eight drops of these under the tongue before i start gets us through a three hour long podcast <laughs> absolutely and you know on the on the end of the spectrum it was funny i was off camera i was telling ty about this day i had last week 
where I was just I was out for about 14 hours with work and I came home and I just wanted to chill and I use the can I fresh little spray and it comes in this little spray bottle and just a few um, yeah. spray in the mouth and you know it kind of just got me mellowed and got me off that you know I was I was on that high wire from from working hard all day and the reason I like can I brands in particular is because of the uh, it's a safe alternative to like opioids and you know habit forming prescription drugs you may you might have in context of like pain management or sleep or anxiety can I brands products are safe trusted lab tested all natural and non habit forming and also have no THC in their formula so you know we're we're not you know, where you can pass all your, your drug screenings and all that. And, you know, the, the other one um, that I use is actually um, the, can I sleep sometimes, you know, me and my wife have different schedules and sometimes, you know, who's going to bed at what time. And then two hours later, your spouse is going to bed and using the, can I sleep has helped me on those days uh, to kind of get me through, you know, those changes in schedule that, that we have. And, and I know some of the free jacks guys are using this too, right, Ty? Yeah, I mean, that's a really cool thing, though. So there's four different lines that you've got, which is one of them is the Can I Mend, uh, which is being more often used by athletes across America. So you've got guys from the uh, Major League Baseball, NFL, NHL, you know, all the key marquee sports for the U.S. But for rugby players, what a perfect fit. And how we were actually introduced to uh, CanIBrands.com is uh, through Freejacks who mentioned, hey, by the way, if you're getting into using podcasts with rugby, check out the Rugby Rant. So we actually have someone to thank on that side. I'm not sure who, but those boys are using it. Um, and I can see why, because it's pretty easy to be able to use either a drop under the tongue, eight of them, or an oral spray. So eight pumps of the spray and you're good to go. And as you said before, um, whether it be sleep or whether it be to revitalize and refresh or to give you a kick for the day, rest of the day ahead with the boost. Uh, it's got a little bit of something for everybody and it's non-habit forming, easy to be able to use. And using it right now uh, with the Rant promo uh, as an introduction, canibrands.com, go and check them out. Their online store, anything you want, is going to be 25% off your total order package, not just one item, but everything in your basket. So load as much as you can. And when you do, when your total order is over $49, you'll get free shipping anywhere in the continental US, plus that additional 25% off your total order by using the promo code RANT25. That's I should probably say it the, the correct way. How's an American say? I would say I, I would say rant. Is it rant? <laughs> hey, what are we talking about here? Get your rant on, you know. So rant twenty five. <laughs> get twenty five percent of canibrands.com. Go and check them out. Thank you for for the opportunity to be able to share that. But let's dive back into some rugby. So stick around because next up we've got LA matchup against Rugby Atlanta in the championship and our thoughts will be up next. Sport has the power to change the world. It has the power to inspire. It has the power to unite people. Sport can create hope where once there was only despair. Hey, rugby fans, again, we are here to be able to talk about that championship final. It is here on August 1st. Who thought we would have been here at the beginning of the season? We were still fighting the COVID pandemic, the looming pressure of it forced the season to be able to start later than expected. 
George Killebrew came on the show saying, hey, it would be a success tie if we just finished the season. <laughs> Not only have we done that, it is now the most exciting season to date. There's a new team that is up for the honors uh, with an expansion team making the final for the first time. We've got Rugby ATL making the final for the first time. Uh, it's exciting to be able to see their two different styles of play uh, out there in LA where it will be a home match for them at the Coliseum Stadium. Couldn't think of a better stadium to be able to have it shown on CBS Sports across the nation. Uh, I only hope that it would come to be able to surpass the viewing record set in 2019 at Torero Stadium, where I believe it was just north of 500,000 active viewers for that matchup. Should it meet that again, it would already be a phenomenal success, but we're expecting even greater things. But what we need to be able to dive into here, gentlemen, with our panel of guests here, our ranters are ready to be able to give us their predictions, their preview of this matchup, August 1st, the Sunday final for the championship of the MLR 2021. We're going to hand it over to Walker Tice to be able to run us through his thoughts. I'm starting to fire over here. No, I, look, I, I think it is going to be a, a a match of two different styles, like you pointed out, LA high-flying. I think they get back to that. Um, ATL, they they win or lose it in the first 20. If, if LA can get out on the front foot, if they can get out, uh, get set pieces going, fix their lineouts, um, Adam Ash should be back, hopefully. Cottrell should be back. They've, they've got line-out threats. Um, most importantly, I'm really curious to see if the back line of ATL can neutralize the star power of, of, of L.A. I mean, they they threw the, the back line, uh, whether it's Billy Meeks and Adam Ashley Cooper in the centers, uh, DTH Vandermerv in the wing, Ryberg on the wing. Um, and then we missed uh, their fullback, um, remiss of his name, uh, but, but, but Bryce uh, – they 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 have the star power to put up a, a 50 burger and and can LA weather the storm the first 15 20 minutes and and what do they do in the first 20 can they get out on the front foot put LA on their back heels and and what does that look like I, I would expect to see Escura uh, hopefully back into the centers I thought Coleman coming in at 10 and Escura moving to the 12 really made them more dynamic in their back line. Um, and, and from there, can, can your forwards match the physicality of LA? Right. So you're saying you got to come out right from the gates, ready to attack and put them on the back foot. And that's the key. I mean, this is almost what we, what we saw. Um, we just covered a moment ago with Utah is that LA didn't put any points on the board until the 34th minute and they were under pressure. And that's where you got to put them early on, kind of break that rhythm early, as you're saying, going to be one of the best strategies for rugby ATL, who does have the ability to be great on defense. A couple of changes here and there. I mean, they've been experimenting with the lineup a little bit more than I would think is, is, is what you should be doing in the latter part of the season. You would think that your combinations are pretty good. I know there's things that have changed and you, you, you know, you think about each game and it's on its face value. Um, but you haven't given us the prediction. I was I was building uh, suspense. <laughs> yeah, building suspense. <laughs> um, I will go with a LA victory, twenty six seventeen. 
26-17. So you think it's going to be still not a very high-scoring game, but certainly exciting rugby with a few tries on either side. So hopefully you are right, and uh, hopefully it's not a scoreline of 3-6 to six or something like that, right? That wouldn't be great for, uh, for a national TV broadcast of the final. So let's hope that it's the same exciting brand of rugby we've come to love. Let's hand it over to Cam. Yeah, sort of similar to some of the points Walker made. Um, I really hope that both teams can get back to their bread and butter from the line out. For LA, it's their set piece, um, dropping the ball down to Mahi Vailanu, where he kicks it out to Gitto or to Goddard, and then, you know, let the backs go to work. I, I think they probably have the most dynamic back line from the set piece. I, I would love to know the average count of hands touched before they actually go into the next phase because it's got to be like five or six guys. Um, mm-hmm. And you just don't see that anywhere else. It looks like super rugby out there. Um, for ATL, it's it's going to be, can they get back to that rolling mall and, you know, stay on brand with their physicality? I actually think offensively they play a pretty similar style where they really try and use quick ball to put the pressure on um, the opposition. But basically what it boils down to is a difference of philosophy, I think. Atlanta is through and through, they want to out physical whoever they play, whether it's defensively or offensively. Um, they want to be the more physical, um, wear teams down because of their pace, not necessarily a slow down style. LA, they, you, you see people, you know, their heads are spinning. They're seeing so many people touch the ball and they've, they've got such dynamic play, um, you know, front to back, even from their forwards. I, I I can't get enough of Mahi Vailanu because it looks like a, you know, a, a ten trapped in a, a two's body, and uh, but I, I've got a bit of a bold prediction. I'm going 25-22 Atlanta. I, I think LA as great as they've been. I think the the league is caught up to them, and I, I think they're kind of they're they're just not hitting on all cylinders. Where I think Atlanta, even though they had you know, they kind of played to the style of New York last week. I think they're more so the team that's, you know, really found their form towards the end of the season and have carried that through, you know, maybe the final third of the season. And, and you know, you'll see it in the championship on Sunday. You know, one, one of the key things that I wanted to bring attention to is some of the stats that is backing this matchup between these two uh, giants of MLR right now. So interestingly, I brought it up earlier. You're looking at the number two and number three best defensive teams through the regular season. That's, of course, the 16 rounds. Uh, In addition to that, I want to run through a couple of other stats here that I think will be interesting, give a little bit of fuel for the conversation. LA has 83 tries to rugby ATL's 59. So they certainly beat them in that corner there on offense, just on the stats alone. Line breaks is 106 compared to ATL's 86. So again, but now here's where it starts to shift in the favor of ATL. Tackles broken, 349 in comparison to 329 from LA. So they're certainly higher in that regard. This is over the length of the season. Turnover tackles, 71 to 56 for for LA. Turnovers won, 95 to 79 for LA. So you can see in these three key points is where, for me, they're going to win the game if they are going to, is at the breakdown and the turnovers to disrupt the regular play that LA obviously does need to be able to get it through the hands and let the star power shine, right? 
So I don't want to dig too much further into that because Scott Ferrara has to have his turn. Yeah, first of all, Walker trying to say, you know, use my line, let's get hot. You know, let's, I'll tell you, you were looking, the name you were looking for was Luke Burton, by the way, the fullback for LA. Um, I also think Adam Ash, I have a feeling he doesn't play um, in this upcoming match, believe it or not. I think he's still that, that injured that he doesn't play, but Cottrell is back, I believe, from suspension. Um, and to kind of to refute what Ty just said there, you know, I think LA is, doesn't have as many, it isn't as high in those last three categories. Because they play with the ball in hand so much, their possessions there so much. So obviously they're not going to have that many to go. They're not going to be able to go after that many turnovers. Um, as far as tackle breaking tackles, well, the way they've been playing, especially in the first half of the season, they were creating such open channels from that synergy that Cam was talking about from that camp. If if they're open and doing a line break, there's no tackle to be broken. Um, you know, so I think those stats are a little bit misleading. Um, but going to the actual game, uh, I think for LA, it's attitude time. Uh, ATL beat them in ATL, but Nola came in and beat you at home with an under deserving squad, right? They had what nine guys out of that squad. ATL can't afford to lose another meaningful game, or excuse me, LA. LA can't afford to lose another meaningful game at home. And in that locker room, if that's not what's being said by the leaders in that locker room, then that culture has it all wrong. LA should be wanting to put the smack down on ATL and cap the season off with a mind-blowing win. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but that's the attitude that they got to show. That's the swag they got to come out with to beat ATL. On the ATL side, I got one word. Cowboy, baby. Are we going to see Mark O'Keefe coming in and doing some stuff as the Cowboy? He's nicknamed the Cowboy because he's a horse and that dude can run, right? He gets the ball. He can break a couple tackles. And once he hits an open area, he's off to the races. We didn't see that against Rooney. That wasn't part of the game plan. Uh, Unsure, you know, against Rooney, he was kind of ineffective. I know he scored once late and, you know, I think in the first match, which really didn't change anything because Rooney still won the match. But maybe that was just part of their game plan, you know, ineffective against one team in one style, but we're going to be playing a more open style team. Let's open it up and kind of match them. Um, I think both the guys said, you know, it's the first 10 to 20 minutes that's going to be most important. I agree with that. As far as a prediction, I'm going to say L.A. by five. L.A. by five. Do you want to go at like uh, Cam and Walker did is give us a number? I don't do I don't do the full the total. I just do uh, differential. I'm doing L.A. minus five. It's going to be exciting rugby nevertheless, right? Because both these teams deserve to be where they are and, of course, have fought hard. Yeah. And, you know, again, it's been a wonderful season to be able to look back from where we started. You know, we touched on it very briefly, but there was almost no preseason whatsoever. I mean, there were games that were scheduled and canceled. Then into a squad scrimmages, we're replacing that. At one point, we didn't know if we were going to start on time, so – Where we stand today is an amazing journey that the Rugby 2021 season for MLR will certainly be a feather in the cap for the league as it hopefully will crown, well, it will crown a a different franchise for the first time. Won't be the Seawolves, right? (laughs) So, because somebody's all up until now. Yeah, somebody's going to try and have to lift that 8,000 pound shield over their head and not crack their head open. Right. I honestly I do wish that there was a cup and instead of a shield, but that's another debate for another day. <laughs> okay. 
Cam and Walker, what we like to be able to do before we crown our winner for this round is to be able to give both of you boys an opportunity to send a shout out to somebody important, a message to somebody out there, or just share your thoughts. The floor is yours. We'll start with Cam. Uh, oof, shout out. Um, I guess shout, shout out to our old uh, podcast buddy, uh, TJ. Hope things are going out well in LA. I know he's running their academy right now, so I'm sure he's just booming about the uh, the championship coming home to him. And uh, hopefully, my prediction doesn't bum him out too much. Uh, my shout out goes actually to my brother. Congratulations on getting married. Uh, he now has a better half. Um, yeah, congrats, and, man. Uh, so um, no, I'm I'm excited for it. It's it's great to have championship rugby back. We went a full, almost what feels like close to two years without it, um, yeah. and and we're back, we're back, baby. Um, whatever happens, I hope there's a lot of points scored. I hope there's some big hits, and and let's see, let's see a, 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 a an opening field kick. I, I want to see a, a, a drop goal. Yeah. Well, you know, it's exciting. Who knows? I mean, if it's going to be a three point difference, as Cam predicts, it might be that winning. Uh, you know, that always makes for an exciting finish. I mean, I think some of the most iconic matchups in rugby history have always been uh, settled by a moment of, of glory like that. And it's no different for, for the MLR in the past, too. So hopefully we see more of that magical rugby brand that is so uniquely uh, North American. And uh, it'll be high paced, fast rugby high-scoring action, and we'll be out in the LA Coliseum, which is, I can't think of a better home to be able to broadcast uh, this matchup as it is shared across the nation through CBS Sports and, of course, with our partners up north on TSN, I believe. Uh, they can also get it on the Rugby Network, where you can also tune in to watch us each and every week. Like this, we will be doing another one every Friday, shared on the Rugby Network under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. You can find us online through our social media accounts, whether it be Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. And before we head out, we need to be able to also remind our viewers that what we do here is our mission on the Rugby Rant to help grow rugby one fan at a time. We have another partner who certainly is doing their part to be able to help grow rugby, but in particular, that be Youth Rugby with Rugby Coffee. This ethically sourced brand is brought to you by these people who have now just for the first time released their North American blends. There are two available, which is the Jouet Jouet. Uh, it is a French roast blend, a little bit darker. Very nice. I like that, by the way. I always drink an espresso, so I'm used hey, to a kind of a darker roast. Jouet package. I think there's a familiar, a familiar little thing on that Jouet. Oh, look at that. Rooster, rooster, because it's French. <laughs> but anyways, we move on. We digress. Thanks for that. Uh, a medium roast of you with the crowd favorite. Uh, these guys, if you don't know, go and check out Rugby Coffee. The thing that I love most about it is that with every cup you get to enjoy, you're also giving back to rugby as a piece of their uh, proceeds. I believe it's as much as 10% of their yearly turnover is given back to youth rugby programs in both uh, the UK, Canada, and they're choosing their US partner shortly. So 
Why, like, why do you need a better reason to be able to grab a cup of Joe, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And it comes quick. You know, it really does. You know, I ordered, um, I, th- I ordered on Tuesday and it came on Saturday and I'm all the way on the East coast. And I know these guys are closer to the West coast. So, right. so let, me, let me tell you. So yes, we're sponsored by these guys and they are very kind enough to be able to share this with us. Their brand new blend for North America. But Scott was so impatient. He went on he bought his, <laughs> <laughs> I need the coffee, man. I need the coffee. <laughs> just, just need it, man. Just need it. Motor oil for the machine, baby. Exactly. Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, there's a cool travel mug that comes with it. I think guys, uh, Scott showed it. Um, I mean, really, it is. It's it's such a blessing to be able to work with people that are so passionate about rugby. I mean, their catchphrase is, um, you know, it's not just a game; it's a way of life, and it certainly is for everybody. I'm sure here um, on the show. Uh, for everybody who supports the show and for perhaps some of you fans at home. So make sure that you let us know what you think about this show or any other topic we've chosen to speak about by dropping a comment down below. We'll make sure that we get to be able to cover it and respond to it as quickly as we can. If you agree with us, that's fine. If you disagree with us, you can watch another show. Um, (laughs) But more importantly, it's all about rugby. And as I said, here on the Rugby Rant, we aim to grow rugby one fan at a time. And uh, we want to be able to give a thanks to Cam and Walker Tice for joining us here in the absence of Rob Hammerschmidt, who is on holiday with his family, a well-deserved break. And of course, thanks to Scott Ferrara. Uh, my name is Ty Braga. I've been your whoa, host for today's act, uh, uh, opportunity. Oh, I'm forgetting something, aren't I? Yeah. Who's the, who's the winner? Who's the important part? I am going to give it because um, I know. I know who I'm giving it to. I'm just trying to figure out why I'm giving it to him. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to give it to Scott Ferrara because I think Cam and, and, and Walker, both very great competitors. Um, but if I didn't give it to, to Scott and when Rob wasn't here, it means they wouldn't have a challenge next week. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Scott, you, you're the winner. Your thoughts. What do you think? Continuity. It's all about continuity. Uh, the hammer sucks. Um, there's a reason he wasn't on this particular episode because he was scared to face me. So he had to get the Tice Bros. Uh, Cam and Walker, thank you so much for coming on. Check out them at Rugby Index on all social media. Absolutely. Once again, it has been another great opportunity to be able to share with you our thoughts here on this rugby debate show. It is my pleasure to say thank you. And my name is Ty Brogger, and we will see you at the next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.